This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted... Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Texas Rangers. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. We want to welcome everyone to the Ballsy Podcast. I'm David Moore. A coup has taken place. One member of the triumvirate. I'm not sure that he will ever be on this podcast again. But someone who is always welcome on this podcast. One of the founding members. You know him. You love him. Evan Grant from Surprise, Arizona. Hello, Evan. Which of the which of the founding fathers would I be? I, w- I was going to lean on you for that because I'm I'm not a founding father. Uh, I'm, I'm just a revolutionary who came in and and uh, kicked the other member whose name shall not be mentioned off of the podcast this week. That's true. He's taking one of his many weeks of vacation. <laughs> yeah, he, he always seems to uh, um, rag on you about that, but, but I do seem to see what you produce in the paper more than this other individual whose name shall not be spoken. Yes, his name rhymes with Evan <laughs> Harrington. Well, um, yeah, why, why don't we start uh, not... Uh, um, Hit on several different things here. This is this is wrapping up. You'll be uh, coming home soon, um, thankfully on all fronts. I'm I'm sure everyone else out there feels the same way. Um, they, want, they want me to go home. <laughs> well, as I possibly can. Well, yeah, until you're home, and then once you're home, it's like, when are you going back on the road again? But exactly. But but maybe exactly. that's just me. I, I don't want to imprint my uh, home life on this. So let's not. Let's get to Johander Mendez because. With some of the issues and the, uh, not the issues, but just monitoring some pitchers coming back off significant injuries, Mendez was a, a little bit of the insurance policy. Can, uh, why don't you uh, give us the background on what's happened with that insurance policy and, and what it means going forward? Well, he uh, walked off the mound um, on Sunday. Uh, with a drop in velocity and um, with a uh, uh, little bit of um, pain. <clears throat> well, and the Rangers sent him for a uh, MRI, fearing the worst. I mean, there was tightness in his left elbow, and that always seems to be uh, a real indicator of, of a torn ulnar collateral ligament. Uh, the bottom line is they feel like they quote-unquote dodged a bullet in that there's a sprain there and the prescribed at course of action is six weeks of of no rest and, and, and rebuilding of strength. Uh, but it means he'll also be out for the first half, first half of the season because by the time you factor in the rest time and then having to rebuild him back up, he's just not going to be ready to, to participate before midseason. Theoretically, what, what it does hurt is that 
this is a team with uh, very thin depth behind its starting five, and its starting five all has uh, a history of significant injuries. Three of three guys are coming back from Tommy John, so you want to have some insurance policies there. Well, without Mendez, uh, your your insurance policies are down to Adrian Sampson um, and. Ariel Harado, who really didn't appear to be ready for the big leagues last year, and possibly Jason Hamill, although Hamill, who's 36 and has spent a long time in the big leagues, has said that if, if he doesn't make a big league roster, it may be time for him to go home to his family. So um, this team, uh, we're talking here, I'm working on a story for our, our Sunday preview on the Rangers, and it is about developing pitching and here we are at the end of spring training talking once again about how thin this organization appears to be a pitcher in uh, the upper level. And again, Mendez, is, this is just one that's difficult to gauge because you may not, you know, if, if health is not an issue, he wasn't going to contribute that much, you wouldn't think, early in the season. But like you said, if, if one of these five guys goes down um, – they don't really have a a good viable option at this point that they they feel pretty good about, do they? Uh, I think they've been pr- very happy with Adrian Sampson, um, okay. who could who could fill the role of of kind of um, older older young guy, so to speak. He's, he's still only twenty eight, um, and if you put him once you put him on the forty man roster, he will have minor league options remaining, which would give the team flexibility and the ability to send him back and forth to the minor league as needed. Um, but I also think that as spring training comes to an end, you're going to see a number of veteran guys without jobs. And I, I think there will be some opportunity for the Rangers, and I hope they're proactive in this, to go out and acquire off of the waiver wire uh, or, or sign as a free agent some of these guys who get released because they are going to need more depth at, at AAA. I, I think that in addition to wanting to protect the guys in the big on the big league rotation who have that injury history, the second part of the formula here, and, and might be more important than anything else, is you want to continue to buy time for what you really consider is the tip of the next, uh, the tip of the spear of, of, of the next wave of, of, of talent. And that group of Taylor Hearn and Joe Palumbo, Brock Burke, Jonathan Hernandez, they're not ready for the big leagues yet. You don't want to bring them to the big leagues before they're ready. And I don't think the Rangers feel like any of them uh, would be in a position to be ready before the all-star break. So, so you've got to find a way to, to just protect and insulate them a little bit. Out of that group you just mentioned, who at this time, if, if someone was ready to bring up after the All-Star break, who, who would be the most likely, do you feel? Well, Hearn's going to start the season at AAA. I, I think, you know, just based on that, he'd, he'd have the slightest of edges. Uh, but Palumbo, who is still kind of working his way back from Tommy John surgery um, and pitched some in the second half last year. Uh, I, I think he might be the most refined of the group. And I think Hernandez uh, might be, might have the best stuff of the group. 
Uh, and I think that Brock Burke is a guy who's going to be pretty much on the fast track here because he's, he's shown an awful lot of maturity early on. I think that's going to be a real wild card. If I was picking one out of a hat, I think I might just go with Palumbo because there was such a high level of belief in him before the Tommy John surgery. Uh, he's left-handed, uh, and I think the Rangers feel like he's just got a really good feel for pitching. And again, I don't want to jump ahead too far because uh, obviously there, there's a lot of baseball to be played before the All-Star break. But um, everyone knows that this is not going to be a, a team that's going to compete uh, this year. Um, so how important is it that they're able to call up someone and develop at least one of these pitchers uh, going forward late in the year? Yeah, I think it's I think it's essential that you know you do you have some degree of turnover after the All Star break and around the trade deadline. Uh, I think in a, in an ideal world for the Rangers, barring a miracle contending club, uh, what you would hope to do is that some of these some of these veteran pitchers would be pitching well enough to warrant um, a return in a trade. You mm-hmm. trade one or two of those guys, and then you'd start to bring up these pitchers, and you'd hope that with a, with about ten or twelve starts in the big leagues, that by the end of the year, they have gotten their they they've gotten a good set of uh, a good foundation going forward for the future, and that they would be ready to come in in 2020 and contribute to the rotation. So uh, that is. The goal, I think, for this pitching staff for this year is protect and insulate those guys for the first half and get them get get at least one or two of them ready to to reach the big leagues and then move forward with uh, with the idea that one or two of those guys will be ready for the 2020 rotation. And you have to do that. I mean, you can't come out of this season and not have one or two of those guys gotten enough of a look of them at them late in the season not to have a, a better feel for them going into 2020 right correct it, it'll be a it'll be a bad season for the Rangers if they don't feel um, confident that one of that that group of four uh, can be a productive member uh, long term in the rotation starting with the 2020 season. We're here on Ballsy, SportsDayDFW.com, and as we continue our pitching-centric start to this segment, um, you mentioned earlier um, the, the the guys coming back from Tommy John, and, and out of uh, Volquez, uh, Smiley, and Miller, how would you assess how all of those look to this stage of spring training and, and maybe what we should expect, uh, kind of a thumbnail sketch uh, to expect from each of those guys as the season opens, uh, who looks the best, who's the farthest along, who may, who may take a little bit more time to, uh, to get into a groove or is going to be, as, as you talked about earlier, really protected here early in the season and, and uh, not given a, a lot of innings or, or be very judicious with it, at least from the start. Yeah, I, th- I think Shelby Miller is going to be on the closest thing to a, a, a very limited pitch count when the season starts. Um, he'll probably be somewhere in the between eighty and ninety pitches for for a couple of starts there, uh, and I think he'd be the guy that that they're bringing along the slowest. 
I, I went into camp thinking that he'd have to take an awful lot of care with Edinson Volquez, given that this was his second Tommy John and that he's 35 years old. But he appears to be ahead of schedule. Um, and in some regards, I think the Tommy John, the fact that he's had a Tommy John previously actually works to his, his advantage in this rehab and that he's known how to handle it. He, he, he's had some experience with it. And he seems to be throwing the ball really well. I'm not so sure that the radar guns out here are um, completely accurate. I think they may need a little bit of calibration. But but Edinson has hit 97 and has pitched in in the 95-96 range, and and that's a big step up for him from from where he was uh, the last time he was pitching in the big leagues. Um, you, you mentioned that, that to go off-roading here for a bit. You mentioned uh, the, the radar gun may need some calibration. Um, how do you weigh – I mean, obviously everyone wants to know exactly where they are and, and what you can expect, but uh, th- there's something to be said about building confidence, and if, and if you can build in a, a, a mile or two to, to give a guy <laughs> confidence when you're working on a certain technique or – um, you know, you're, you're trying to throw a different sort of pitch. I mean, do, do, do you feel that ever comes into play at all? Like I said, not, not, a, not an overriding thing, but, but here and there to kind of give a guy confidence and, and use it as a, as a, you know, as a, as a motivational tool in some ways or a, or a positive reinforcement. Yeah, I, I don't it, – at this point in time, I would not put anything past any team in baseball in terms of trying to boost confidence and – um, find some kind of edge that will will help their pitchers maximize um, ability. Uh, I, I think that right now, you know, it's I, all I can say is I'm just not used to seeing pitchers throw 96 and 97 in spring training or as early as they have. Mm-hmm. Um, some of this may be that we have with the dick with the data and technology and the ability to, to really reinforce delivery points that maybe we are reaching a point where players can maximize things like velocity very early um, and, and see jumps uh, that they hadn't previously seen, but it wouldn't put, put it, I would not put it past anything for a club to, occasionally pump up a, a velocity. It's, you know, the technology here, we're talking about grand conspiracies, but the technology works this way. You've got the radar gun kind of um, mounted uh, behind behind the stadium, um, behind the uh, backstop at, at most of these stadiums. Pitcher throws, uh, radar gun reads it, um, somebody, I believe, somebody upstairs in the uh, in the scoreboard operations room gets that reading and immediately puts it onto the scoreboard. I don't know if it's all automated or what, but um, I, I suppose you could calibrate that, you know, to start a mile or two higher if you wanted to. Um, but I, I I do just feel like teams are going to take whatever steps they can to try and build confidence for, for their pitchers going into the season. Sure. And, and it just, and again, I'm not talking about a, 
a, a sweeping, I mean, this isn't an Oliver Stone conspiracy theory. It, it is just, I would think as a teaching tool, at cer- certain times, whether guys get discouraged and, and need encouragement, or if you can tell them, you know, one or two miles on the fastball makes a big difference to them on how they are throwing or, or what they need to do, that, uh, that, that occasionally... Why wouldn't you do that? Not to mislead anyone, uh, not to give anyone uh, a false sense of where they are overall, but but just as a, a a tool to use judiciously to kind of prop guys up or or you know in those it, when they're coming back from a rehab and and feeling frustrated or whatever to go well see look you you were able to do this today so how do you feel you know you can get back to that point. Well, I mean, pitching is all about conviction. You know, it, it's about. It's about how convicted you are, how well you believe in what you're about to throw. Um, and if you feel like, hey, you're, you're, you've got some power in your arm, uh, you're going to believe it. If, um, if you get off the mound and, and the guys in the dugout say that, hey, look, this, this is what your spin rate was on your curveball, and uh, that's way up from your last time. You're going to feel more comfortable about throwing that in a uh, in a one in, in a count that's not favorable to you, um, and maybe maybe because of it you'll you won't think about it so much. Maybe you won't um, be tentative with anything, uh, and, and you're liable to get a truer uh, a truer result from a pitch. So you're doing everything you can to try and get those guys to be convicted in in, in their stuff and their ability to pitch. Why don't we uh, move away from the pitching staff at this moment, and uh, let's start on the other parts of the roster by uh, the the potential domino effects of uh, Joey Gallo's strained groin, and how actually uh, the composition of your outfield and maybe center field, as far as a backup is concerned, actually kind of factors into uh, how this opening day roster may look if Gallo isn't able to go. Well, I just, David, I just feel like the more you look at this roster, the harder it is to find a place for Willie Calhoun to start the season. Um, and I, I think that was a big focus coming into, into camp was the Rangers asked Willie Calhoun to, to drop some weight, to change some habits um, in terms of eating and, and dedication to work. Uh, sleep, all those kinds of things, and and he did, and um, uh, he's he's had as good an off season, probably the best off season of anybody in camp. Um, came into camp uh, and has demonstrated that same kind of dedication to everything. I know for a lot of people, it hasn't shown up in in things like batting average or OPS during spring training, but. I'd be real wary about putting too much um, emphasis on 40 at-bats. You notice a significant difference from watching him every day? I think he's moving better. Um, I think he's hitting hitting the ball well. I don't think there's ever been a doubt that he would hit. Um, But whether or not you actually had a position on the field for him to play, that was another question. I do think he's moved better in the outfield. I think he's still something of a below-average defensive outfielder. I think he's running better. But you, you, regardless of all that, the guy is still limited to playing left field. 
and Gallo's your left fielder. Gallo's also your backup center fielder, and you definitely have to have somebody capable of playing center field uh, on your roster. So you take into consideration that, that Calhoun's main position right now is occupied by Joey Gallo, that to move him to DH seems like uh, a Herculean task, given that Sinchu Chu is still here and, and a productive player and with a big financial commitment to him. And now factor in the possibility that maybe Joey's limited and this team actually has to carry a backup center fielder. Um, and it gets, it gets harder still to picture how Willie Calhoun breaks with this team, not to mention the, the one other thing that I, I should have put in that list is that Willie is also a left-handed hitter, and if the Rangers need anything on their bench, it's a right-handed hitting outfielder, which is why I think that Hunter Pence definitely makes this team and why I think that you know he would get a number of at-bats that that would otherwise go to Willie, perhaps if Willie was a right-handed hitter. So I'm just uh, unless this team has a has an injury, um, and and they do have an injury, Gal. Unless they have a long-term injury where they needed an everyday left fielder, uh, or unless they find a way to trade Chu, I just think it's, it's something of a pipe dream to feel like there's a significant role for Willie Calhoun on this roster to start the year. I also will say this, that I know Willie has been kind of uh, kind of outspoken saying he doesn't know how he would take it and that he's played two, almost 250 games at AAA and feels like there's not much left to prove at AAA. Uh, I know that the Rangers would love for him to play, and I know that fans would love to see this guy in the big leagues, A, because this is supposed to be a rebuilding year, B, because he was the high-profile acquisition in the Udarvis trade, but I don't know that going to the minor league in and of itself, theoretically, even for him, and at this point in time, is such a terrible um, outcome. Because I do think that at some point in time, things will resolve itself themselves, and there will be opportunity for him. And he better be in a frame of mind, better be in a position to seize it, because you only get so much of an opportunity. Well, that's the thing. It, it's a good position for him if temperamentally he can handle it. And what, like you said, you, you've mentioned what he said before. And and look, the you know your roster and 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 how this team is built. You can always argue takes precedence over any one individual. But as you said, there's some different dynamics in place this year. You have this is clearly a rebuilding year, and and you had a guy who apparently has responded in a way in which he hasn't responded earlier, and you know they know more about him. Chris Woodward certainly has a a better feel for him than I, I would argue most others in the organization since he dealt with them before. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you talked with him over the weekend, but 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 can you talk a little bit about about weighing, I mean, the dilemma of weighing that where you want to reward a guy where he has gone all in, has shown, uh, you you see evidence uh, of a commitment and a passion you haven't seen before, the the fear of kind of dousing that passion initially right after you see that, and and if that could have any long-term effects. Yeah, I think that I honestly think that the Calhoun situation would be the first, real test 
of um, of Chris Woodward's leadership here, and and uh, in in one regard, just the way you said it, you've got to deliver an uncomfortable message, and you've got to be transparent um, about what the situation is, um, and you've also got to try and keep a guy uh, mentally locked in, even though you're telling him, "Look, you did everything, but but we don't have a spot for you." Um, I thought that, that Chris's answer, and listen, uh, it, it's fairly rare to get a, a manager or, or a coach to answer a hypothetical question, but I thought Chris gave a really strong answer um, the other day when, when asked about, like, how would you deal with this and how would you deal with the idea that, you know, Calhoun has said he wouldn't, he, he isn't sure how he would accept it. I thought his answer was, was really um uh, if he can deliver those those words and that message to Willie Calhoun, if he's got to sit down with him, uh, I think it's 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 the right place. And and a lot of it was, hey, let's not let one decision define us and our careers. Um, you've got you if you have to go down to the minor leagues and prove it again, it's not the worst thing in the world. There will be opportunity here. Uh, it's just not at this moment. Um, and then I think a lot of it comes, you know, falls on Willie. Uh, I had talked to one baseball official last night, not with the Rangers. He said, you know, uh, you're so convinced that this guy has, has changed things around, you know, maybe it would be a good thing to see Bless you. Excuse me, how he would respond um, to a, to being sent down. And my first, my first response, to that was, yeah, I don't. I, I think if you do send him down, you're curious to see how he responds. But I don't think you send him down just to see that. You don't want to play games with guys at this point in time. You send him down because there's not a fit for him on the roster, um, and that would be the only reason that I would uh, I would send him down. And, and I just be, I think seeing things play out in real time here again it's hard to see a fit on this roster for a guy who is a 24 year old limited defender when you've got a 25 year old strong defender who hits from the same side of the plate playing left field um, and then you've got a 36 year old DH who's making over 20 million dollars a year and has been productive and has also been a, a strong presence in the clubhouse. I don't know, you know, how you how you fit him in with the team as it's currently constructed. And most of that comes down to do you have a way to move Chu to another club? That would be the easiest way to get Calhoun legitimate playing time and to 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 really work well for everybody. Because then it also allows you, let's say you know, if you were able to move to and you needed to play Joey in center field one day uh, to give Delino a break or, or against because you wanted to have uh, an all left-handed hitting outfield against a, um, uh, against a tough right-handed pitcher, uh, then the next day you could get put move Joey to DH, uh, leave Willie in the outfield for a second consecutive day to allow him to get reps, get Joey off his feet, after a day in center field, 
and, and I think it all kind of works well in the symbiosis of, of all the different parts of the roster. But right now they've, they've just got a jam um, in that they've got a, 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 an aging, productive player that hasn't drawn much interest on the trade market. As we bring our Rangers segment of this week's Ballsy podcast to an end, Evan, do you have a difficult message to deliver me that will define our relationship? Um, no, I, I, I think that I will just borrow from the same words that Stephen Stevenson said to me at dinner the other night when I actually decided to have dinner with the young fella. Um, <laughs> I was going to say that that questions your uh, judgment right there, but go ahead, please. It, it does. But he said to me, you know, I remember back in 1987, I was watching David Moore on ESPN and, and uh, the NBA uh, show, and he looks the same now as he did back then. And I want to look like David Moore when I'm his age. So, that's the difficult message I have to deliver to you, David. You look really good for an old man. <laughs> Those were my NBA jam posse days. Thank you. And, uh, oh, man, you were big on the jam posse. <laughs> well, Evan, thanks so much. It's uh, much more enjoyable, I think, when you and I can have a constructive conversation about things that are going on and, and don't get distracted by other people whose names shall not be spoken sitting across, intruding on the same conversation. When we don't have to, um, well, I'll deliver those unpleasant messages to him on my own. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yes. I, I will say this. Yes. The, the guy who shall not be named, and I do have a bet uh, this week on the NCAA tournament, since he graduated from Cougar High, or what is commonly referred to as the University of Houston, <laughs> um, I use that in air quotes, and I graduated, or so people think, from the higher institution of learning known as Georgia State University, uh, and those two teams meet in the NCAA basketball tournament uh, on Friday, I believe it is. Large stakes. Um, and so Kevin, Kevin and I have uh, wagered lunch. So okay. we'll see who, who comes out on top there. Well, I, I trust your uh, – do you get to pick the place, too? Because I know you'll pick a better place than Kevin and well, a more expensive I'll, I'll place. Definitely, absolutely. If I win, I'll, I'll, I'll maximize this because it would be a huge upset. But um, I'm, I'm expecting that I'll have to take Kevin probably to one of those – one of the old people places that he likes so much. <laughs> well – On that note, for Evan Grant, this is David Moore wanting to thank everyone for listening to this week's Rangers podcast on Ballsy. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.